Welcome to the ministry of Pastor Jeff Taylor. We hope you will find life-changing truths as you hear today's message. Pastor Taylor believes that no word of God is void of power. Now, let us join a live service already in progress. Mark chapter 11, the gospel of Mark chapter 11, hallelujah. I want to share some things on a subject this morning. Uh, now, this, is, this, this subject today is not a subject that you might get to use. This subject is not something that, you know, you, uh, that no one is uh, immune to. No, every one of you are going to have to deal with this subject. Uh, if you haven't already, you will have to. And if you haven't already, you probably haven't been living very long. All right? And that is, we're going to talk about the seven keys to forgiving. All right? The seven keys of forgiving. And uh, how many know that there are some people that it's just very, it, it, it's hard to forgive sometimes? See, now, some of you are lying because you didn't say yes. There are just some people, I think, that the devil has put in your life just to torment you. Uh, you, you know, there are some people that it's just, it's just difficult to get along with. And, and really, the Bible doesn't say we have to get along with everybody. Did you know that? You know, you have to love them no matter what. But you, you don't, you can't, you're not going to be able to get along with everybody. Some people are just they're, they're not going to be getting along with. And the Bible says that as much as lies within you, if it be possible, live at peace with all men. If it's possible. But how many know some people just position themselves that they're never going to be at peace with anything or anybody? Now, I know this is not real popular to, to, to get up as pastor and say, hey, there's some people that you're not going to get along with. You know. Now, as Christians, we should be able to get along with one another because the love of Christ dwells within us and we are to walk in love and operate by love. We're talking basically about the world. We should be. Amen? Because if you are a Christian and you are a Christian that's bearing fruit, you will be a person that is operated and walking in the God kind of love. Amen? Well, we talked about faith a little bit this morning. We've been talking about faith for a number of weeks and actually for a few months now. But in Mark chapter 11, I want you to go with me to verse number 22. He answers Peter and said to them, Have faith in God, or someone put it like this, Have the God kind of faith. For assuredly... Now this is again, these words are so hot, they're in red. Alright? Verse 23, For assuredly I say to you, that whoever says to this mountain, Be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things which he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Verse 24, Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask for, whatever things you, whatever things you ask when you pray, whatever things. didn't say that it has to be specific things. It says whatever. Everybody say whatever. Now don't say whatever. Or whatever. Don't say that. Whatever. That means whatever. You know what the Greek word for whatever means? Whatever. Good, you're catching on. Uh, whatever... <laughs> You ask, whatever things you ask for when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. That sounds like a pretty good deal, doesn't it? Speaking to the mountain, the mountain obeying you, being cast into the sea, and then, you know, whatever thing I want, whatever thing I ask, if I believe that I I receive, I'm going to have that. It's a pretty good deal, isn't it? That's what we call the God kind of faith. Now, Jesus goes on. Now, most faith teachers, when they're teaching on the subject of faith, don't... Because they teach on subject, they don't read on the rest of what Jesus talked about. 
But notice what it says here in verse number 25. And whenever you stand praying, and that's about the, time, the same time you're asking for whatever, when you stand praying, he said, if you have anything against anyone. Now, underline that word, anything. <laughs> that's, a good, that's, a good, that's a good, well-rounded word, isn't it? That's pretty all-encompassing, isn't it? That's pretty uh, all-inclusive, isn't it? Some of you are just not going to respond no matter what I ask you, are you? Uh, it says, if you have anything against anybody... Everybody say, underline that word anybody or anyone. That's, that, that's, that's, that's pretty inclusive, uh, all-inclusive, isn't it? That, that, that means that there's no exceptions to the rule, right? Anyone just means... You guys are you're sharp this morning. Uh, notice this here. He said, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him. Now, that doesn't just mean men. You know, men more times have... Never mind. Uh, forgive... It should be them. Forgive that person, all right? That your Father in heaven may also forgive you of your trespasses. For if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. I want you to know something. That the number one hindrance to faith... What is the number one hindrance? That, now, he says right on here, he says over here, he says, you can have this kind of faith to speak to mountains and they'll obey you. And he wasn't talking figuratively. He had just talked to a real tree. The real tree withered up, died, really. And he said, if you have the God kind of faith, you'll talk to the mountain and the mountain will obey you. And then he turns over here and he says, if you have, if you have, if you, when you stand praying, believe that you receive it and you'll have whatever... Everybody say whatever. whatever. Whatever things you want. That's a good deal, isn't it? And he said, now the number one hindrance to this, he said, is if you regard an ought or an offense or something, if you have anything against anyone, he said, out of all the things that he was preaching on faith, he said, if there's one thing that will, that will short circuit this all mountain moving kind of faith, this all together receiving whatever things you ask kind of faith, he said, the one thing that will stop it and will hinder it is if you have unforgiveness in your heart. You ought to write that down. The number one hindrance to faith is unforgiveness. And unforgiveness is simply doing this. It's simply holding a record of the wrong that was done to you. Unforgiveness, you ought to write that down. Unforgiveness is simply, because not my notes this morning, uh, is simply holding a record. You know, some people have libraries. They walk around and every person they talk about, well, you know, they did this and they did that. They've got libraries that are 20, 30, and 40 years long of records of when that person's name comes up. I'll tell you what they did to me. And they're keeping that record. That's, ladies and gentlemen, unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is the refusal to forgive a person for a wrong that, was, that you suffered. Simply, simply put, it's just holding a grudge. All right. Now, I, I, I am a tailor by by natural birth. My last name Taylor, and tailors are professional grudge holders. Don't look at me so sanctimoniously. I know some of you and your families. All right. We were professional grudge holders. We knew exactly how to keep that list. Keep, check it twice. <laughs> 
finding out who's... Never mind. Uh, and, and see, when I got born again, listen real carefully, some of that tailor started working over here in this new family that I got born into. See, because when I got born again, I was translated out of my natural family and out of that generation or that genealogy. And the Bible says that I became born again and I got regenerated or regenerated by the washing of the Word, but also by the transferring of and being brand new in the Spirit. How many know what I'm talking about this morning? 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, But see, the way I operated as a tailor started showing up in my Christian life. And so, you know, how many know when you, I mean, you can, you can be in church just a short matter of time and somebody's going to get you, somebody's going to hurt your feelings. I mean, you know, as wonderful as I, you know, esteem this church, there's probably going to be somebody somewhere, sometime, say something to you that you'll have an opportunity to get offended. Just don't take it. You'll have an opportunity because people are people. People are human. They're, they have human error. And sometimes we get tired. Sometimes we may, may communicate something that we didn't intend to communicate. How many have ever, how many know what I'm talking about? I mean, in marriage, you can have, you know, we're celebrating our first year anniversary, but I mean, and we've had a very, oh man, I mean, just, it's just been smooth sailing. Somebody said, you know, if the first year, if the first year is the roughest year, man, it's all downhill from here. I mean, we've had an awesome... Uh, but how many know there's sometimes that you can communicate even in the best of scenarios? You can communicate something and that other person think you said something that you didn't say. You don't have to look at them. Just nod your head and say, Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Because either you, got, either you were the one that was misunderstood or you were the one that took it wrong. Everybody, you, you all not going to go with me today, are you? You're just, just going to be quiet. But now, listen, now, if we listen to these seven keys and these principles, listen, here's, what, here's what I want to tell you. These principles are so close to our personal lives that they will either crowd our grudges until we have to either completely reject what the Bible says about being free from the grudges and offenses, or we're going to have to face the hurts of our past and the words that were said, the deeds that were done, and be victorious. We're going to have to face those head on and be victorious. Now, the decision is not mine for you. This decision is not God's for you. The decision is, where do you think the decision is? It's yours. You have an opportunity today to keep your grudges, hold on to them, die prematurely, and wither up, with arthritis, because the Bible says that a broken spirit dries the bones. You hold on to unforgiveness and you're, you, you, you will keep a broken spirit. And the Bible says that it will dry up your bones. That's why most people that suffer with arthritis, you can trace it back to an unforgiveness in somewhere in their life. Most of the people... Oh, you, mean, you mean to tell me my, my grandma had, you know, she had arthritis? You probably needed to talk to grandma and find out who hurt her. And who she never let it go with. I, I love your grandma as much as you do. I, you know, I'm not trying to speak negatively towards your grandma. But what I'm saying is, is that a broken spirit will dry the bones. 
And the one thing that I, one one of the biggest hindrances when I pray, I have prayed, ladies and gentlemen, for thousands of people for the, to receive their healing. When I spent nine years on the road, I have spent thousands of thousands uh, I've prayed thousands of prayers for people that to get their healing, and I had quite considerable amount of success with it. But the one time that I could, the, the majority of the time that I could not get people healed, it was because somewhere in their life they were holding on to a grudge or they were holding on to a record of an offense done to them and they would not turn it loose. And ladies and gentlemen, Jesus said that if you won't turn it loose, God can't turn it loose for you. Amen. Everybody smile and just say, praise God. All right, number one, the seven keys to forgiveness. I want you to write these down. Number one, forgiveness is releasing the offender of the responsibility for how you act or feel. Forgiveness is releasing the offender of the responsibility for how you feel or act. Listen real carefully. Unforgiveness holds that grudge and says, I'm mad. And you've made me mad. Now, ladies and gentlemen, why would you give that kind of control to someone? You, notice what they say, you made me mad. In other words, they drug your carcass into mad. They made you mad. Or is it more like this? Now, no one has control. I don't have control over you. I don't have control. You don't have control over me. And they don't make us mad, do they? Now, in that term, they don't make us mad, do they? Some of you are just afraid to say anything right now. (gasps) Somebody's been talking to him about what I've been doing. Every time I preach on unforgiveness, every time I preach on unforgiveness or forgiving people, someone comes up and says... Who's been talking to you? You knew about my... Someone told you about my situation, did I had a lady get mad at me, leave my church, and call me and bless me out. <laughs> bless me out. Told me that I had no business talking about her and her serv- in, in my service. I said, when did I talk about you? When you were preaching on forgiveness. I said, there it goes again. Every time I preach it, it's just every time. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, they didn't make you mad. They may have pushed your button, but why were you having your buttons out there to push anyway? Got these buttons out here. Some of you got great big buttons, you know, extra sensitive buttons. You know, buttons out here that are, you know, great big signs. Dare to push this button. Try it. I double dog dare. Try and push this button. I got this button. You, if you, if you... You want me to, you, you want to touch this button? I'll tell you what you'll find if you push this button. You're laughing because you either are like that or you know somebody real close to you that's like that. It's pushing on. What? How, how did you allow them to push your button? How did you allow them? You let yourself get to mad. Say amen or oh me, one of the two, but say something. You either, you either, you let them. Now, ladies and gentlemen, now the Bible says don't take offense. Don't take offense. In other words, there's opportunities to be offended, like we said, but don't take it. If people say something stupid to you, you don't have to prove anything. 
If someone gets in your face, you don't have to prove anything. Why do you have to prove to this person, well, I'm not going to be a doormat. Are you going to be a doormat if they get away with it? Not necessarily. I'm not a doormat. If I refuse to take the offense, does that make me a doormat? No. It makes me responsible for how I act when they're crazy. I'm not going to let their actions determine mine. I'm not going to let them have control of my life because of the way they're being stupid. <laughs> I mean, they could be acting like a jerk. <laughs> but I'm not going to become a jerk because they're a jerk. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't let the jerks get you down. <laughs> How many know some jerks? They're not here this morning, so we could talk about them. I mean, I, there's just some jerks out there. <laughs> they make you jerk sometimes. No, we don't want to take offense. We don't want to go to offense. We don't want to follow their line. So, ladies and gentlemen, it's kind of like when people gossip. When If you entertain that gossip, it is much, you're just as much lowering yourself on, this, on the level of a gossip as the ones that are doing it. And gossip is only fun when you're not the subject. Hey, I've been on the I've been on the other end of a lot of gossip, a lot of rumors, lots of talk. I've had wonderful opportunities to to get mad. You have had wonderful opportunities to get mad, but ladies and gentlemen, if you allow yourself to be dictated by their actions, you are no better than they are. And it's not about being better or worse. It's simply being a diff, uh, being live, living a different lifestyle. Ladies and gentlemen, I choose not to walk in those arenas. I choose not to get offended. Now, there are times where I can, and I'm not perfect in this, because sometimes I can, you know, you have an instantaneous response when someone, you know, you think you've done as much as you can to get the buttons down to a small, minute size. And then someone finds someone somewhere, you know, you forgot you had one over there, and they find it. I mean, it's usually family. <laughs> yeah, it's usually family. I mean, they just, you know, you, you had a button somewhere that you, you know, you were trying to work on. All of a sudden they found it. I mean, and they started stomping on it, you know, trying to get on that button. And, you know, and, it, and your initial reaction is. That's your initial reaction. And there are times when some, somebody will say something. Uh, somebody said something to me uh, this, this, this last week, and, you know, and I just said, you know, do this. And they, then they responded with, a, you know, a smart house. And they didn't really mean to be smart out, but I, who do you think you're talking to? Who do you think I am? Well, does it really matter who they think you are? Now, does it really matter who they think you are? You think you'd be talking to me like, get, that, get away with that? Not put cheese on my chicken sandwich? and then make me feel bad because I came back and exchanged it? Do you know... <laughs> do you know who you're dealing with? <laughs> this city is blessed because I'm in it. <laughs> Look at me like that. Now give me my change, right? Y'all know... Y'all laughing because you know what I'm talking about. You wouldn't be laughing if you didn't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Please write this down. Forgiveness tears up the old list. The 
O W E list. You owe me. You owe me. What we have expectations of people, don't we? And when they don't meet those expectations, they we think they owe us either an apology, they owe us some kind of restitution. They owe ladies and gentlemen, forgiveness says it's like a bill. Like that person owes you something. It's taking that bill and tearing it up and said, this doesn't exist anymore. And what that does, ladies and gentlemen, it releases that person that, that somehow owes you something. It releases that person from being responsible of how you're acting and how you're feeling. Now, now, now we, we're having fun in here this morning, but you know, there are some people that have been hurt severely. And there are times when, when because we, we want love, it is, it is innate in our makeup. God created us with the desire to need love. And when we need love and we don't get the kind of love, whether it's our parents or whether it was our uh, in a upbringing or whether it's our spouse or whether it was, you know, our kids, whether it was, you know, and we don't get the love that we're looking for, Ladies and gentlemen, we can sense the rejection. And ladies, when, when we get that rejection, then we feel like they owe us love. But ladies and gentlemen, it's not your business what other people owe you. You can look at your wife all day. Well, you just don't care. It's not your business that she cares about you. It's God's business with her that she cares for you. But it is not your business because you are not supposed to love your wife just because she loves you back. You are to love your wife no matter how crazy sometimes they get. Be careful, amen, in there, brother. That can get you grounded in a hurry. (laughs) But ladies and gentlemen, what I'm saying is this, is that their actions are not supposed to make... They're not responsible for how we feel. They're not responsible for how we act. And forgiveness says, I'm not going to act this way. You know, if I said some certain... If I said certain names to you, if God gave me a word of knowledge and all of a sudden I come up with a name, you, some of you right now would have... You'd have an emotional mood swing. You're doing fine until you mention that guy's name. You know what I'm talking about. That person comes in the room. Oh, God. Help me, Jesus. You were fine until they got in the room. Hey, how's everybody? Oh, God, help me. Oh, Lord, I thought I was through with... Oh, Jesus, help me. You know, this is just a thorn in my flesh. This is my cross I'm having to bear right now. Ladies and gentlemen, the moment that you have that mood swing, that shows that you have a problem with unforgiveness. Because you're letting that person dictate to you your moods, your attitudes, your actions, and how you feel. And ladies and gentlemen, we're to love. Now, whether that person is deserving of that love, has, it, that has no consequence. They, we're supposed to love whether they deserve it or not. Because that's the way God loved us. Because we didn't deserve it. We didn't deserve God's love. But God wants us to love. Now, ladies and gentlemen, you can't do that humanly. 
You can't do that humanly. You have to reach into here, into the God kind of love. Ladies and gentlemen, the Bible says that when you got born again, that the Holy Spirit shed abroad in your heart the love of God. The love of God has been shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Spirit. And that is called the agape love. Everyone write that down. Agape love. God's love, in the Greek, the Greek word for that is agape. A-G-A-P-E. A-G-A-P-E. A-G-A-P, agape. And that is the God kind of love. That's the kind of love that is unconditional. Now, you cannot love people unconditionally. I'm going to guarantee you, there are some people that you, you have to have the Holy Ghost to be able to love. I'm telling you, there are just some people that just are not deserving of your love. But ladies and gentlemen, that has, no, that has nothing to do with it. Number two, and I have got to move along in a hurry. Number two, Jesus is our role model. Jesus is our role model. Number two, write this down. Jesus is our role model that forgiveness is not a sign of weakness, but really a sign of great strength. Jesus is our role model that forgiveness is not a sign of weakness, but really it's of great strength. You know, anybody can hold a grudge. A weak man can hold a grudge. A weak woman can hold a grudge. But it takes a strong person of character to be able to forgive somebody. It takes a strong person of character to be able to say, I am, not, I am not insecure about what I am because of what you think about me. I'm secure because I know what God thinks about me, and I'm secure in who I am in Christ, so therefore it doesn't matter what you think of me. Now, if you like me, good, we'll get along. If you don't like me, that's fine. I'm still not going to get into strife or envy or division because it doesn't matter. I'm going to be a person of character that I'm going to love you in spite of what you do. Now, that takes a person that is strong because a lot of weak people can, can hold grudges. Weak people can, can, can uh, have mood swings. I'm preaching in somebody's backyard this morning. That's why you're getting so quiet. Everybody can, anybody can be a weak person, hold a grudge. But ladies and gentlemen, Jesus said, now notice this. In Luke, He said, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. Didn't He? He said, now, is that, he's, I mean, they have bloodied him. They have given him 39 stripes. He is, his back has re been reduced to raw hamburger meat. They have beaten with rods a crown of thorns down onto his head, and those thorns are now piercing into his skull. They, are, they have nailed his physical hands into a piece of wood, raised him up naked to be ashamed. And he says, in that atmosphere... Father, I'm releasing them for how they, from the responsibility of how I feel. I'm releasing them from the offense. I'm releasing them for what they've done to me because they didn't know any better. And ladies and gentlemen, people that hurt you, people that say mean things, they don't know what they're doing. Let me say it again. They don't know. Sometimes they might. Sometimes they might, but they don't know. Because if they knew that they were talking about you and, the answer, and, and how they're going to have to answer to God, how, how they speak about you, they would never know. They don't know what they're doing. They think they know what they're doing. They may maliciously, intentionally try and hurt you, but they don't know what they're doing. 
They don't know that if they speak against you, they're speaking against themselves. Because he, God said, I will bless those who bless you, and I will... And when they curse you, it won't have any effect. It returns back to them. He says, I'm going to curse those who curse you. So they don't know what, you're, what they're doing. When they cut you off on the freeway, they don't know what they're doing most of the time. You get my point? He said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Notice this here. He releases them from the offense of killing. They were in the process of murdering him. And he says, Father, forgive them. Now, how can we do that? Can't do that humanly. We do that by the agape kind of love. Second thing about this. Go with me, if you will, to Luke chapter 17. I thought this was so funny. Luke chapter 17. How many know sometimes the Bible is just flat out funny? Well, you might not be in it enough to find out that it's funny, but, you know, I found a few things that was funny about. <laughs> Say amen or oh me. <laughs> Ooh, uh. Verse number one. <laughs> Notice this. He says here, he said to his disciples, it is impossible that, that no offenses should come. In other words, there's always going to be opportunity to be if offended. Jesus said that. He said, it's impossible that offenses should not come. He said, in other words, offenses in this life are going to come. You might as well prepare for them. You're going to get disappointed. You're going to get hurt. Somebody's going to say something that, that hurts you. Somebody's going to do something that hurts you. And an offense is going to come to you. It's going to come knocking at your door. Just don't answer it. All right? Now, he said this. It's impossible that offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. Verse 2, It would be better for, if, uh, for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and were thrown into the sea. I like Jesus. You know that? You know, he said, those that hurt you, it'd be better for them that, you know, we just tie a millstone around the neck and they'd throw them in the sea. A pretty good start for me. Isn't that what he said? Some of you go, well, I don't know if that's really what he meant. Well, he shouldn't have said it then. Notice this. He said, then he should offend one of these little ones. Notice verse 3. Take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. In other words, listen real. Listen what he's, listen what he's saying. If somebody hurts you, tell them how they hurt you. And if he says, I'm sorry, don't say, it's okay. He said, forgive him. Say, I forgive you. If he says, now notice this, he says, he said, take heed to yourselves if your brother sins against you or if he hurts you, he said, rebuke him. And, and I don't mean get in his face and, you know, bless him out. It means tell him what he did wrong. That's what a rebuke is. Tell them what they do wrong. It doesn't always. Now, rebuke when I was growing up was, you know, I mean, full, you know, red face, spitting cotton, you know, full blast, you know, elevation in their voice, you know, loud, you know, ah! You know, kind of like sometimes where you act at home. Uh, that was a rebuke in my house. I mean, it was the, you know, the whole drama of it. But he's, he's, that's not a rebuke. Rebuke is simply telling people what they're doing wrong. Rebuke is just saying, hey, you're on the wrong, you're on the wrong road. You're on the right. What you did to me is not right. Now, if the Bible said, Jesus said, if he repents, forgive him. 
In other words, turn it loose. Turn it loose. Now, notice what the next verse is. This is, in, this is interesting. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. Notice what the apostles then said right on the heels of that. Lord, increase our faith. You know what they said? How many, how many know, know that that's kind of humorous? You know, because these guys, they're probably at, you know, second time, they're probably, you know, these are Jews, remember? These guys are Jews. And, and second time, they're like, mm, okay, eye for an eye, you know, pal. And Jesus says, no. now Jesus actually took it a step further, not just seven times in a day. What did he tell Peter in Matthew chapter 18? Oh, you know that one. Seven times seventy, which is how many? Four hundred and ninety each time, each day. That's pretty good. Matter of fact, that's almost feeling like doormat stage, isn't it? But it's not doormat. You're a person of strong character when you forgive. Aren't you? Now watch this. He says, please increase our faith. Now, now he goes on to talk about, talk about faith, but notice what he says here. He says, I want you to, if he repents, to forgive them seven times one day. Another place he said 490. Now, now the disciples asked for stronger faith because they were too weak to forgive seven times. Now, here my point is, is that Jesus is our example that forgiveness is a sign of strength, not weakness. Listen real carefully. These disciples were so weak that they said, I can't even forgive a guy seven times a day. Does that make sense? And he said, no, I'm going to increase. I'm going to increase you so that you can. How many know it takes a God kind of love to do that? How many get tired of people doing the same thing over and over and over again to you? I've got three people that are honest in here. Uh, notice this. Now, he said... Yes, thank you, Lord. Yes. He said, uh, he said, he said to us 490 times... Each day for each each thing. Now, please write this down. Holy Ghost just said this to me. God would not ask you to do something that He Himself would not do. God would not ask you to do something that He Himself would not do. You think about the mercy of God. You think about the mercy of God. And He has forgiven us time and time and time and time and t- how many how many want me to shut up and time and time and how many like me to stop saying this and, t- and time again about the same old thing great is the mercy of our god but you know why he's merciful is because he's strong he's strong he's not insecure about what you think about him He's not offended by what you say or do in the sense that he is that he is you know going to hold a grudge against you is he we have a responsibility ladies and gentlemen to release the people number three number three how did Jesus forgive you of your sins now number three how you deal with others oh I gotta hurry how you deal with others is largely going to reflect on how you're dealt with what you give is what you're going to what you're going to what you're going to reap what you sow is what you're going to reap. 
How you deal with others is how you're going to be dealt with. If you're mean, crabby, and nasty to people, guess what you're going to get back? A harvest of mean, crabby, and nasty. If you sow love and kindness and gentleness, you know what you'll get? Love, gentleness, and kindness. And notice, Luke. turn with me to Luke 6.38, if you would, for a moment. Actually, don't turn there. I'll just say, Luke 6.38, we always use it now. Luke 6.38 says, Give, and it shall be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall he cause men to give unto your bosom. Now, we use that largely for what kind of thing in church? Money. But do you know, and that's a principle, and it's true, but it was not setting in the context of money. It was setting in the context of human relationships. That if we give forgiveness, ladies and gentlemen, it will come back to me. You know why I'm merciful? Because I need mercy. You know why sometimes when people, when people just irk me, I say, I forgive you. I forgive you. Is it because there's lots of times I need forgiveness? Because I'm not perfect yet, and neither are you. And so I want to stockpile forgiveness somewhere so that when I need it, I can walk over and deposit a healthy portion of it. How many know what, you, know, how many know what I'm talking about? I mean, because we do things sometimes unknowingly, and sometimes we make mistakes. So we need to have a stockpile of mercy. I mean, if you're short on mercy and short on, you know, you can't overdraft mercy and forgiveness. Now, with God, He is rich in mercy and rich in forgiveness. But, ladies and gentlemen, if, we are, if we're constantly dealing out harshly, we're going to be dealt with harshly. I've watched a lot of preachers. They get out there and they start preaching a hard-line gospel. They start preaching, you know, a bunch of clothesline stuff. You're going to do this. You've got to do that. And God's going to, you know, and, and, and they, they talk about the judgment of God. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't, I don't really enjoy the judgment of God. Anybody enjoy the judgment of God? Raise your hand. Excuse me, no one enjoys the judgment of God. How much, how much more do we like His mercy? Now, I like His mercy a whole lot more. So I, you know, I, and yes, there is a judgment. Yes, there is a judgment. But there's a whole lot more mercy before you get to judgment. If you neglect His mercy over and over, you'll find judgment. But ladies and gentlemen, how you deal with others is largely going to reflect how you're dealt with. So what comes around goes around in relationships as well as other areas. And if you don't like the harvest you have, please write this down. If you don't like the harvest that you have in your relationships, look at the kind of seed you're sowing and change it. If you, got, if you, like, if you don't like being alone, then quit being isolated with your TV. Get out of your isolation and go mingle with somebody. Oh, you're so lonely. Well, then do something about it. Change what you're sowing your time in. I don't have any friends because you haven't been friendly. Read the Bible. Proverbs 17, 17 says, If you want friends, you've got to first show yourself friendly. They aren't going to come running. I must have hit something there because I just... Forgive me, okay? Number four. Number four. Everybody give Daryl a hand. 
It's got to be hard following a preacher like me. It really does. He's, he's worked so hard, and he is my partner in, in the gospel. How many enjoy what you're seeing up here? How many enjoy? He's helping you, aren't, aren't you? Isn't he helping you? And, uh, and he's, I'm sure it's really hard for him to follow us. But number four, forgiveness is, please write this down, forgiveness is not so much for others as it is for you. Forgiveness is not so much for others as it is for you. I think we've pretty much kind of established that, but notice there in John 13, verse 34, he said, This is a new commandment that I'm going to give you, that you should love one another. You know, the word commandment there comes also from a Greek word, the same Greek word that we get prescription from. And, and what he's saying, he, is, he said, This is a new prescription I'm giving you. This is your prescription. Now, how many know that a prescription does not help somebody else? For if, if the doctor prescribes medicine for you, someone else taking it is not going to benefit you. And if you're always wanting other people to forgive you, but you yourself are not forgiving, ladies and gentlemen, you, your heart will become hardened. Ladies and gentlemen, the Bible says that faith works by love. And if you are short-circuiting the love of God by holding unforgiveness, then you can't operate in the God kind of faith that speaks to mountains and receives things that whatever. It can't get it. Because if it operates by love and you are short-circuiting the love of God in your life, you can't operate in faith. And so what we must know, what we must know is this is that the prescription doesn't help someone else, it helps you. And the prescription is, Jesus prescribes forgiving where you hurt. If you hurt somewhere, you know, I got, oh, I got pain here. Forgive it. If you hurt in relationships, how many know when you go to the doctor, you say, I got a pain right here. I got, I got, I got pain right here. No, it's not your wife, it's just a pain right here. It's a pain right here. Notice this. What does he do? He, prescri- he prescribes medication for that area, doesn't he? And if you hurt in your relationships, guess what Jesus is prescribing? Forgiveness. All right? The last, one, uh, the last point of this part is forgiveness is God's way of you turning the hurt loose. Forgiveness is the way to turn loose of the hurt. Now, can I just say something here? When you hold on to an offense... It doesn't hurt the person that you're mad at. Does it? You can be mad, lose sleep over it. And that other person that you're mad at, you know, getting great night's sleep. They don't think about it at all. You're the one that's upset about it. How many know what I'm talking about? I have. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I didn't get this sermon this morning out of a textbook, off a tape. Oh, I don't really know much about unforgiveness or forgiveness, so, you know, uh, I, need to, I need a tape somewhere. Somebody that really knows something about it. No, I've been living this. And when I am upset at somebody, no skin off their nose. They don't have a problem. I'm the one with the problem. They hurt me, and now i got this problem. They go about living life happily ever after, and I'm stuck with the problem. And they don't even... And it even burns me up more that they don't care about how much I'm hurting. Some of you know what I'm talking about now. I'm back in your backyard. They don't care about how much they hurt me. You see what I'm saying? They're 
enjoying life. They come in the room, they act like nothing's wrong. How dare they? How dare they They come in here and act like they didn't... Don't they know what they did? Now, I'm kind of dramatizing, but you know these feelings are very real. They're very real. My point is this, is that when you hold on to the fence... You're the one that's contaminated, not that person. And forgiveness is more for you getting loosed of that offense than it is for that other person. Because that other person, they may not care or they may be oblivious to them hurting you. My point is this, is that you forgiving is not for the other person. See, because a lot of times what we think and the way that society, our society thinks that if I forgive that person, then they get to go scot-free and they don't have to, you don't have to be reconciled. You know, they don't have to you know, give an account for what they did. Ladies and gentlemen, you're not going to get an account for what they did. You're not going to get them to pay you back. They're not going to pay you back. But if you don't get over it, you're the one that's stuck with the problem. They go on with life, you stall out. I don't care if it was a preacher, a Christian, a a family member, or whatever it was. You're stuck with the problem and you can't progress past that point. And then every person that comes after that, you have a wall up against because of someone else's problem. You see what I'm saying? My point is this, is that if you want to continually be yourself, then you've got to forgive. Because there are certain people that are going to break your trust. They are going to not meet your expectation. They're going to disappoint you. They're going to hurt you. But you've got to forgive them so that the next person that comes in your life that is God assigned to you, you don't hold them with some kind of prejudice that they had no idea of the problem that you went through. Does this make sense to you? Number five. Number five. Forgiveness is a decision. Based on God's love, not a feeling. Ladies and gentlemen, how many have ever felt like forgiving? You're lying if you raise your hand. Because you don't feel... Nobody feels like forgiving. Nobody feels like forgiving. Excuse me. I know about forgiveness, and you know what I do? I make myself forgive by decision. Make a quality decision. Now, the Bible says that, that... if we make a decision to believe His Word, to confess Jesus' Lordship, that we'll be saved, doesn't it? That's a decision. How many know that's, a, that's, that's the best decision you can make in your life? More than your career choice, more than the person you spend the rest of your life with, it's who you spend your afterlife with that's the most important decision of your whole life. How many know that? The most important decision is that you make Jesus Lord of your life. A quality decision is this. Please write this down. Where there is a clear course of action... A clear course of action from which there is no retreat. In other words, when I made Jesus the Lord of my life, when I decided to make Jesus the Lord of my life, it was not with a bunch of conditions. Well, you know, Lord, if you don't ask me to pastor, now that I'll, I'll let you be the Lord of my life if you don't ask me to pastor. And there for a while I was wrestling with him. For a good while I did not want to pastor. For a good while, I just not because I don't like people. It's just that I didn't want the responsibility of, you know, staying living in front of people on a daily basis. And I had to recognize that I had a problem with letting people in my heart. 
because I had been hurt somewhere. And I, you know, Lord, I've been hurt. I don't want to live in front. I can get hurt again. Well, yeah, you probably will. But ladies and gentlemen, people are not, can't be your source. They can't be your source of happiness. You're not going to find happiness in people. As much as I love my wife, I don't tell her, I don't tell her that she fulfills me. Jesus fulfills me, and out of my fulfillment with Jesus, I can love and minister to my wife. Now, she has made me happy, but she doesn't give me happiness. Happiness is a choice, ladies and gentlemen. Happiness is a decision. Some people make unhappiness a day. Sometimes it's a moment. Sometimes, for some people, it's a lifestyle. They just choose to be unhappy all the time. Are you getting where I'm following? Are you following me? My point is this, is when we make a quality decision, I choose to forgive this person, not based on my feeling. Now, ladies and gentlemen, because you're never going to feel like forgiving. Feelings, please write this down. Feelings follow your decisions. Feelings will follow your decisions. How you decide. Now, ladies and gentlemen, if you let your feelings rule the, rule the show, you're going to be in big trouble in a hurry. You're going to be a lonely hermit somewhere. If you're feeling... Feelings will follow your decisions. Now, ladies and gentlemen, after you choose... Now, there was, a, there was a situation where a preacher hurt me. I mean, he hurt me bad. It got me to doubt in the call of God in my life. It got me to... Um, it, it hurt me to the place I lost, I, I lost my dreams. How many know when people hurt you to lose your dreams? That hurts. When, you, when someone says something that you are never going to succeed, that you're never going to do something, it may have been your mom, your dad, it may have been an uncle, it may have been somebody crazy, some idiot that said you're never going to have your dream, how many know that is one of the most detrimental kinds of hurts? Because those, don't, don't, those things don't just, you know, hit you one day and fly out the next. Those things kind of stay with you, and they keep echoing. You're never, you, you know you're a failure. You know you're never going to have what you want. You're never going to have your dream. You're never going to have... Nah, 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 nah. And, and it'll stay with you. Now, listen real carefully. And I had one of these preachers, I mean, the preachers just hurt me bad. Hurt me real bad. Down my calling. Down, and, and all my dreams flew out the window like birds. Man, I, I mean, I got hurt. And the Lord started dealing with my heart. He said, I want you to forgive him. I said, you... I didn't, I didn't finish it, but I was going to say, you're crazy. I, I wasn't going to tell the Lord he's crazy because I don't think he's crazy. And I sure didn't want to be reduced to a pile of ashes if I told him that. But I thought... Because what I was doing is I was looking at the hurt. Now, ladies and gentlemen, listen real carefully. The reason most people don't forgive is because they look at the hurt, not at the solution. Because I've, I've dealt with people that have been abused sexually. I've dealt with people that were ch molested as children. And I've, I tell them the same thing. You're going to have to. You're going to have to. You're going to have to forgive them. And they say, but Pastor, you don't know how bad they hurt me. And I said, you don't know how bad they're continuing to hurt you by you not forgiving them. Ladies and gentlemen, we are not called to be survivors of hurts. We're supposed to be conquerors, overcomers of those things that hurt us. Is this making any sense? Because as long as I am a survivor and I have a survivor's mentality, what I have is I have let 
a circumstance overwhelm me so that I now excuse and justify my actions. I justify it because of what they did. And our society is riddled with this. It's paraded on talk shows. It's paraded throughout our society. In our courts, well, it was because of this. It was because of my education. It was because of my, my natural state of birth. It was because of this. It was, and because of this, all these things, that's the way I am what I am. And then they say, God made him that way. Excuse me, but God didn't make you that way. God didn't make you a homosexual. God didn't make you a survivor. Ladies and gentlemen, we're to be conquerors. And that's going to take a decision. It's not going to take a feeling because you're looking at the inventory of hurt versus the inventory of the love of God. Because I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, I know this. I've been hurt deeply before and you have to reach into the love of God to get released from those things. Amen? Number six. Number six. And I'm almost done. Number six. Forgiveness is not condoning. This is one of the... This is one of the most important points. I want you to write this down. Forgiveness is not condoning the wrong suffered, but allowing the grace and the love of God to release both the offender and the victim. Forgiveness never says the offense is okay. And this is one of the biggest, this is one of the biggest and most important parts of this whole message. Listen very carefully. You cannot validate. Now, see, what most people think, they confuse forgiveness with condoning what was done. Now, listen real carefully. Let me give you an example. When you came to God and said, God, forgive me of all of my sins that I've done wrong, did He ever respond and say, oh, it's okay? Because if it's okay, it's okay to do it again, right? Because if it's okay. And so what, what we're working on in our, in our relationship with Kelly and I, we're, we're working on saying, I forgive you. When we say, I, I, I'm sorry, I apologize, I, 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 I didn't mean to do that, we're not saying, oh, it's okay. Because she said that a couple times. I said, oh, so I can do it again? She, no. No. She said, I forgive you. It's not okay. But I forgive you. Again, it's not saying it's okay. Because God, when He forgave us, didn't say it was okay. He said, I'm releasing it as though it did not happen. That's what forgiveness does. Forgiveness, again, gets it away from you. Gets the offense away from you. But it also releases that other party. It releases the victim, you, or it, and it releases the offender. But it's not okay. But it's not okay. And what you have to say, this kind of conduct is not okay. You can't talk to me like that. You can't say those words to me anymore. Some, sometimes you, you have people that are in authority over you. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a, a parent with an unrenewed mind or maybe it's a boss that is just as heathen as can be, and they'll say things, and it's, well, you know, I will say this because I'm your boss or I'm your parent or something. You don't have to believe that. You don't have to believe that. It's not okay. You, you, it's not okay. If you, if you say this, 
you are breaking the laws of this relationship. And, it, and if we continue breaking the laws, there will be no relationship. You know what laws of relationship are? The laws of relationship are love. You're going to have to conduct a relationship on the operations on the basis of love. Ladies and gentlemen, some people continue breaking the laws of relationship in their marriage and keep talking death, keep talking, you know, speaking negatively. Well, you never. Are you always? Every time you start getting into those absolutes, I don't care if you're mad or not, you are, you are going down that road of bending the laws of relationship. And you can bend them over so far that you will break them. And if you break the laws of relationship, ladies and gentlemen, you cannot always put together a relationship that has continually went through constant breaks of the laws because you can't be trusted. God wants us to have healthy relationships, doesn't He? God wants us to have healthy marriages, happy home lives, and a happy church community. And one of those ways is the, is the remedy, the corrective maintenance of forgiving. Now notice this here. When God forgave us, He never said it was okay. But now this is one of the most, mis, one of the most dangerous misconceptions. Forgiveness is the vehicle which you can pursue further relationship with that person. Here, I want every eye right here. Listen to me. The moment that you forgive, you're saying, I want to continue this relationship. Whatever relationship type it is, the moment you forgive, you're saying, I'd like to continue being your friend. I'd like to continue operating on the level of the fellowship that we have. You know, how many, how many know there are times in your marriage you, you, you'll, go, you'll go through dry spells where you don't feel so close to one another or you don't have that real intimacy at times? And some, usually during one of those seasons... Something is said or done because there's not... And, and, and the other person will take offense, get hurt by it. And ladies and gentlemen, to not forgive starts the downward spiral of growing apart. The moment you don't forgive and settle the issue... Did you hear what I said? The moment that that is not addressed, the moment that that, that issue is not settled, you have begun to drive a wedge in that relationship and it begins to go in separate directions. And all of a sudden, one of the person, or maybe both of the person, both of the people involved in that relationship, they begin to, from that point of that offense, they begin to take a record of everything that they said or did that was wrong. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Some of you need to burn that relation, that burn that grudge list this morning. Number seven, the last one. I'm going to skip to the next one. Forgiveness is not the same thing as restoration. Now, and, 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 what, and I want to skip to this real quickly because I wanted to get this in because I don't want to leave you hanging. Listen real carefully. There's a difference between forgiveness and restoration. All right? Forgiveness is the releasing of the offense. But restoration is placing that person back into the same kind of a relationship that they had with you before the offense took place. Are you listening to me? I was talking to some uh, a married married. They're not in this church anymore, so I can talk about this. So, uh, but they were ta- I was talking to them about their about their marriage. I was talking to them about. I said, now you know, and and I walked them through these steps of forgiveness, and they had forgiven one another, but they're still at odds with one another. Still fussing, still fighting. And, uh, and I said, well, have you forgiven one another? Yeah, we forgive one another. 
I said, and then, you know, I just started praying about this because I, I couldn't seem to get any answers, and I, I'm, not a, I'm not a great counselor. I'm just not. I don't aspire to be. I'm just a preacher. And so, but I tell them what the Word of God says, and, and so I, I said this. I, I said, Lord, I don't, I, don't know what, I don't know what to tell these people. He said, tell them that they need to restore one another along with the forgiving one another. Well, I didn't really know what that meant, to be honest with you. When he said that to me, I thought, well, what does that mean? You know what he took me to? He took me to the prodigals, the story of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15. The story of the prodigal son was he took off with half the money and uh, he parted it all away. And, uh, and then, as partying does, it, it, party doesn't last forever. Neither does the money. And so he winds up slopping hogs and wanting to eat what the, what the hogs were eating. And so wait a minute, wait a minute. My my dad's servants eat better than do better than this. I'm going home. Now listen real carefully. He gets home. The father's expectant, expectantly waiting on him. He goes and runs out, falls on his neck, cries, and says, "Oh, you know, my son was now dead. He's alive." Now he not only forgave him of what he did, because this is what the this is what. Now listen very carefully. The servant, uh, that, that son came home and he said, Father, I have sinned against you and all of heaven. I'm no longer counted worthy to be called your son. Just make me one of your hired employees. I'm going to just, I'm just going to walk around here and I, I won't get to sleep in my old bed and get to be in my own bedroom and, and won't get to, you know, sit at, you know, your table and eat with you. I won't be able to drive your car and, and live in the I'll have to sleep out here in the servants' quarters and, and, I, and I'll, I'll do this. And, 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 and what did the father do? Not only forgave him, but he restored him by putting the ring back on his finger. He put a robe back on his, on, on his the family robe, put the family insignia on, on, his, on his hand and put shoes on his feet. Now, why did he put shoes on his feet? Because the ladies didn't wear shoes. They're too poor. And he restored him. Now here's my point. God not only forgives, but what else does he do? He restores, and then he forgets about it, doesn't he? He said, I'm going to throw your sin. You know, he read this morning out of Psalms 103. I'm going to cast your sin as far as the east is from the west. You know, if you, I, I said this one other time. If you, if you threw it north... You can only go north so long, and then you're going to go south. But if you keep throw, if you threw it east and west, you just can keep going east and west, didn't he? He said, "I'm going to remember your sin no more." Now I don't know how he does that, but I know he does it by this. He does it because he loves us. He loves us so much that he doesn't remember. You know, I, my kids. I, I love my kids. How many love your kids? How many got kids you love? I love my kids, you know, and and uh, I don't, Jaron did something, uh, I don't know, probably a year ago or something, and uh, some never mind, I won't even say that over him, <laughs> uh, just never mind. Uh, and he he brought this he brought this situation up of something that he had done wrong, and uh, and he said, Daddy, you remember when I I said, No, I don't. He said. You know, when you, you know, I said, not really. And then he named off a bunch of other stuff, and I said, oh, yeah, okay, I, yeah, I remember it now. But I, I thought about that. Why, how did I forget about what he had done, other than the other numerous things that he had done? Uh, 
That's what I was going to say, but I didn't want to put that in a future tense. Um, but he had done a lot of other things, and I, you know, and sometimes there has been so many things that have had to be forgiven that you just, you know, it kind of loses its, you know, sight in a big ball of gray. But my point is this: that's not the way it is with our Father. Our Father loves us so much that He not only says, "I'm going to forgive you," but He then He restores you. Now, listen real carefully. But then He then He takes you in and He says, um, "It's all forgotten." In other words, he never brings it up the next time you make the mistake in the same area. And that's a word for you and it's a word for me that when somebody does something the second time or the third time or the fourth time or the umpteenth time or the too many times I want to remember time that you don't bring it up. Now listen real carefully. Now let me go back to what I was saying about restoration. There are certain types of relationships that at certain levels, because through continual betraying your trust, they will have to take a time they'll have to take time and a clear track record for you to be able to restore them. Does this make sense? Certain people, because of the level of their betrayal... You know, Jesus did not restore the devil. You know that? Why didn't He restore the devil? Well, you know, He's so mean. No, no. Why didn't... Why did not... He fell just like we fell. Didn't He? Didn't... Didn't He? Why didn't He restore Him? Because the level of trust that was given to the devil and he knew exactly what he was doing, open-eyed, and knew exactly the intimate side of the Father. He knew those things and he was trusted with some heavy-duty responsibilities. And because he was at that level of trust and intimacy, he was very high in trust. And then when he fell, he fell so very far. But see, ladies and gentlemen, the reason that God never restored the devil is, first of all, the devil never repented. And the second thing is, is that even if he had repented, to be restored sometimes takes time. Ladies and gentlemen, and sometimes we deal with this. Maybe there's been an, maybe there's been an abortion. Maybe there's been an adultery. And the person, one of the, one of the biggest things that, that people have a hard time with is they don't know how to forgive themselves. Please write this down, and this is not in my notes, but this is something the Holy Ghost told me to say. Right now, He prompted me to say this to you, because I was going to close with this. When you do not forgive yourself, ladies and gentlemen, some people think it's, think it's humility, but really it's pride. Pride is at the source of the lack of not forgiving yourself. Well, how can that be? Is it because you hold yourself in this and how could I do such a stupid thing? And you're still thinking about and you can't forgive yourself because you're being condemned because of pride. Does this make any sense? Ladies and gentlemen, you have got to forgive yourself. You've got to release yourself. If God released you, it's no, there's, no, there's no reason for you to hold yourself. But there are certain times in, in, in between relationships where there's two people, that where there's intimacy and there has been, and there's been 
a fallen away like an adultery, if there's been a fallen away like something where, and I'm going to say this and I'm going to leave it on tape because I, because I think it's, I think, I do not, I do not condone nor will I endorse any marriage staying together over violence. If a man's hitting a woman or if a woman's hitting a man, they have got to get some professional help quickly because I do not condone two people beating the hell out of each other. And that's exactly what it is. I don't condone that. And when you violate that line, ladies and gentlemen, you are out of control. And when, and when you are out of control, ladies and gentlemen, my big question is, who is in control when you're not? Who's in control when you've lost it? And when you have a violation like that, the first thing that, that, the, the, first thing that the offender does is, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, please forgive me, cries, says I'm sorry, the woman or the man forgives them, and then goes a couple months, maybe sometimes weeks, maybe it's days, and goes right through the same garbage again. Ladies and gentlemen, when they get to that level of offense, they have to be, they have to be put at arm's distance for a time until they deserve your trust again. They have to prove that they're deserving. I know it gets quiet when you talk about this stuff. But they have to prove that they're deserving of the kind of intimacy that you can give to that person. Your intimacy is a gift. You're, you are a gift of heaven. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are a special person. You, are, you, you have been grafted. You look at your, finger, your fingerprint. No one is exactly like you are. And God made you special the way you are and a person that does not treat you that way and, to, and don't use this, don't say, well, Pastor said I'm special and you, you... Don't use that as a weapon, ladies and gentlemen. Don't use that as ammunition. But it's, at the same time, I do not condone when those kinds of things and those kinds of things happen that you can operate in that... That marriage will not last. You keep doing that. You keep breaking that law, those laws and you can't restore that person. To do that, to restore that person because it's the Christian thing to do, ladies and gentlemen, you're putting yourself in physical danger and harm. Just smile like we're not talking about you. My point is this, is that we must use and take what God has given to us, the God kind of love, and say to those that offend us, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. Amen. Let's stand together. I know I've went a little long. Our service went a little long this morning, but how many have been helped this morning? Now, ladies and gentlemen, because of the nature of this message, there is always, when we minister on this subject, a lot of times events will come back up. And people will come back up. I want every eye right here. I want you to look at me. Events will come back up and people will come back up. And the very entrance of them into your memory, the Holy Spirit is trying to say something to you. It's not cleared up yet. Just the fact that when we talk about this, that it comes to your consciousness means that it's not clear yet. And some of you have been in here and you've been squirming all throughout this sermon. Well, you know, well, yeah, that's funny, but you know, 
what you just said hurt really bad. You're really stepping on my toes today, Pastor. Ladies and gentlemen, you can walk out of here because you can walk out of here and be completely free. Now, we were shouting and celebrating earlier about what we believe we're receiving, but ladies and gentlemen, it won't work if you have unforgiveness in your heart. And somebody may have hurt you bad. Somebody may have hurt you deeply. But ladies and gentlemen, deeply the love of God is in you and you can uproot that. And feelings will come back after you've made that decision to forgive that person. The feeling will come back. And you'll have an adjustment period. It'll take, it'll take some time. There are some people that hurt me that to mention their names, I, you know, my bitterness was to indifference that, well, I don't care what happens to them. That's a person that has let unforgiveness turn into bitterness. Well, I don't care. Because you've made that person a non-person. But ladies and gentlemen, here's my point. My point is this. You can be free today. You can have not only the forgiveness of God, no matter what you've done, but number two, you can be free from all the offenses that have happened to you. How many are ready to be free from that? Whether the white man hurt you, the rich man hurt you, the black, the black man hurt you, the Indian hurt you, the government hurt you, whatever. Whatever has hurt you, you could turn around and say, it's not right what you did, it's not okay, but I'm releasing you from the offense because I'm going to be free from the offense. Thank you for listening. If you would like additional ministry material, you may contact us at Church Alive International, P.O. Box 4483, Marietta, Georgia, 30061. Thank you, and God bless you.